three Tishrei, Gimel Tishrei, Tzaddik, his life, 5, 108. After this, there were developments which made it necessary for Rabbi Nachman to leave his father-in-law's household. His mother-in-law had died, and his father-in-law married again. His new wife was from Moelev. The Rebbe himself was responsible for making the match. He traveled with Rabbi Ephraim to Mohelev and made the arrangements, this in spite of the fact that he was still only a youth. I seem to recall hearing that he was then about 18, around 1790. Even so, there were a few people who held him in respect because of his being the great-grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, and they could also see that in his own right he was a jewel of a person. Those who were astute realized even then that when he would be older, he would be an outstanding and original figure. The story goes that in Mohilev, he was invited to stay in the house of a highly respected man who was one of the followers of the Rebbe's uncle, the saintly Rebbe Baruch. The Rebbe's host was a wealthy man who treated him with a great honor and made a dinner for him to which several of the leading followers of Rebbe Baruch were invited. Wine was served. Now at that time, the Rebbe was still somewhat reserved and he was not in the habit of teaching Torah publicly. But while they were sitting drinking wine, the Rebbe's enthusiasm was kindled. He began to speak, and he revealed the most wonderful ideas. The people present watched this spectacle in amazement, and were very amazed and impressed. Then it was time for the wedding of the Rebbe's father-in-law, and they all went home. At about the same time, there arrived in the town the saintly Rebdov of Zaslov, a well-known tzaddik who was known by everyone as Reber Berabinim. People told Reber what they had heard the Rebbe say at the dinner, and he was very amazed. He said that the Rebbe would become an outstanding and original figure. As yet, the Rebbe was still a member of his father-in-law's household, and people from the nearby localities began to become attached to him and visit him from time to time. The Rebbe knew how to inspire their hearts in the service of God. With his guidance, they drew closer to God and achieved the high levels of spirituality that they have today. Happy are they. Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom, His Praises, 6. The Rebbe became accustomed to constantly begin anew. Whenever he fell from his particular level, he did not give up. He would simply say, I will act as if I am just beginning to devote myself to God, and this is the very first time. This happened time and again, and each time he would start all over again. He would often begin anew many times in a single day. For even in the course of a day, there were many times when he would fall away from his high level of devotion. But each time he would start again, no matter how many times it happened, even within a single day. 7. The Rebbe devoted every available moment to his sacred studies. He spent much time studying the Talmud, the Shulchan Aruch, the Bible, the Ein Yaakov, and the mystical works of the Zohar, the Tikkuni Zohar, and the writings of the Holy Ari. He also delved into many other sacred works, especially those involving Musar. The Rebbe said that his father's library contained all the small Musar books, and that he went through every one. He also spent much time with the Reshit Chachma, stating that he reread this remarkable work countless times. The Rebbe's unique expertise in all of the sacred literature was obvious. He was particularly unique in his knowledge of the Bible, the Ein Yaakov, the Ari's writings, and the Zohar and Tikkuni Zohar, to the point that literally no one could be compared to him. He was fluent in the entire Torah. He could quote anything in the sacred literature as if the book were opened in front of him. It was like a table set before him, 
where he could see everything and choose what he desired. The entire scope of our sacred literature was like this, standing ready before his mind's eye to be used whenever he desired. This can be seen to some extent in the Rebbe's the writings. Alphabet book. Truth. A. 18. One who lacks truth lacks kindness. Such a person cannot deal kindly with people. 19. Falsehood delays redemption, for it brings a person's sins out into the open, thus preventing him from being saved. 20. Truth redeems from all suffering. 21. A person should rather die than live and be considered a liar by others. 22. Where there is truth, there is peace. 23. One who is far from the truth is far from charity. 22. 24. Truth protects the sign of the covenant. 25. By telling the truth, a person earns everlasting esteem. 26. When a husband and wife accustom themselves to lying, their children will be rebellious and sexually immoral. 27. A person will speak falsely when he is afraid of other people. 28. Falsehood causes a person to forget God. Lesson number one. Ten. When a person merits to attain all of the above, a great spiritual unification is thereby achieved in all the worlds. The light of the moon becomes like the light of the sun, Isaiah thirty twenty six, and he attains grace. Then all his prayers and requests are accepted. 11. The evil inclination wants to make a person literally insane, God forbid. For one who sins is insane, as our sages said, a person does not commit a transgression unless he is possessed by a spirit of foolishness. Sota 3a. But how can the evil inclination possibly come to a person and suddenly make him crazy, God forbid? The way of the evil inclination is to first dress itself up in mitzvot and to mislead the person, as if it is inciting him to do a mitzvah. Afterward, it misleads him and incites him even more until the person comes to commit actual transgressions willfully, God forbid. This is precisely what happens with the insanity of a madman. Little by little, his mind becomes confused and deranged until he finally calls bad good and good bad. Nevertheless, he still retains some traces of intellect and sanity. For even in his craziness and senselessness, he too understands and knows that a person ought not to do such crazy things. Even so, he does them anyway. Because of this, two methods are required to cure the insane. First, it may be necessary to strike them in order to subdue their willful evil, so that at least it will not be pleasant for them to engage in their crazy behavior, and at least they will not do things that they themselves know to be madness and foolishness. Furthermore, it may also be necessary to place on them mystical holy names and amulets, in order to banish from them the evil spirit which is confusing and deranging their minds, God forbid, to the point that they distort what is correct and call bad good and good bad. Similarly, when it comes to curing a person from the insanity of the evil inclination, one must also employ these same two methods. First, it is necessary to subdue the sinner's tendency for willful evil, so that at least he will not do what he himself understands and knows to be evil and sinful, God forbid. Furthermore, it is necessary to banish from him the evil spirit, the spirit of foolishness, that dresses itself, dresses itself up in mitzvot and misleads him, as if it is inciting him to do a mitzvah. All this can be attained in its entirety 
only by engaging in Torah study, which includes both these methods. 12. The main way to connect oneself with the holy intellect is through straightforwardness and simplicity, as in, Jacob was a simple man, Genesis 25-27. For Jacob merited to attain the light of the intellect to perfection. Rabbi Nachman's stories, The Lost Princess. He told her that her father was very grieved and had tried to find her for many years. How can I get you out of here, he asked. She said, It is impossible to get me out unless you choose yourself a place and remain there for an entire year. All that year you must long to get me out. Whenever you are unoccupied, you must only yearn, seek, and look forward to sit freeing me. You must also fast. Then on the last day of the year you must fast and go without sleep for the entire 24-hour period. The viceroy went and did exactly what she told him. On the last day, at the end of the year, he fasted and did not sleep. Then he stood up and was headed toward the castle, when he saw a tree with very, very beautiful apples. It was very desirable to the eyes, and he ate an apple. As soon as he ate the apple, he immediately fell asleep, and he slept a very long time. His servant tried to wake him up, but he could not. When he finally woke up, he asked his servant, Where in the world am I? The servant told him exactly what had happened. You slept for a very long time, for many years. I survived by eating this fruit. The viceroy was very upset. He went to the castle and found the princess. She lamented to him, If you had come directly on that day, you would have freed me from here. But because of one day you lost everything. But it is very difficult not to eat, especially on the last day, when the evil urge is very strong. Restore my soul. Lakuti Maharan 3. For even the worst person, regardless of who he might be, and into whatever circumstances he might have sunk in at present, so long as he grasps hold of the true tzaddik, there is hope for him to achieve a unique good that will endure forever. Friends should support one another with this knowledge and give each other encouragement. They should strengthen one another in the service of God. Each one should make it his duty to remind his friend of all the teachings they have learned, each one to the full extent of his own understanding. Kutia Muharan 1, 13. 4. You should know that God derives glory even from the most insignificant of the children of Israel, even from the sinners of Israel. Every single one, so long as he is called by the name of Israel, gives God a particular glory that no one else can give. It follows that no one should ever despair of God. Even if he has caused great damage, God forbid, God's love for him has not ceased this person can still return to God. It is the men of truth who are able to detect the goodness and the glory that can be found even in the worst of men and to draw everything to God. Lakuti Moharan 1, 17. Letters, Year 1. Letter number 2. With God's help, Wednesday, 26 Nisan, Shmini, 5582, Odessa. To my modest wife, I am writing to inform you that I have hired a boat today, and God willing, this Friday, Arab Shabbat, I will embark on a ship sailing for Istanbul. From there, with God's help, I will continue my journey until God brings me safely to Eretz Yisrael. I therefore request that you pray to God for me, and that you ask all the members of our group to do the same, especially those in Uman. Further, I have nothing to write, just life and good health. 
My dear son, Shachna, may his light shine. Take the enclosed letter and send it directly on the first post to Chirin, to Reber Atkupchik. You should also write a letter yourself, asking them to do as I've requested, and send the money without delay. Tell them about the seriousness of your situation and how, except for the money which they owe, I left you with absolutely nothing. With God's help, they will certainly fulfill their promise and do as I've asked. Be advised that I received your letter on Cholomoy Pesach and I was delighted. I was also very pleased by its style, because I thought you had developed a fine style only well enough to deal with simple subjects. But now, thank God, I see that you really write quite nicely. You should get in the habit of writing letters from time to time in order to cultivate a lucid style. You will find it very useful in a number of areas. I was also very happy to receive the commentary you wrote on the story, The Lost Princess, Rabbi Nachman's Stories Number 1. I am delighted that someone has taken it on himself to write such a commentary on the stories. The interpretation itself is nice, and many of its points are nearly correct, though it is still very far from even the faint glimmer of understanding that I have of this story. How many thousands and thousands of times more distant is it from the actual intention of our holy awesome Rebbe? The main hesitation I have with the commentary is the following. While according to your interpretation, the end of the story talks about the giving of the Torah, and how in the end Moses was able to find the lost princess, I don't agree. It seems to me that the story is not yet finished, and that the actual conclusion, finding the lost princess, will only be in the future, when our righteous Mashiach comes. For he himself is Moses, and he is reborn to the world in each generation, as we learn in the Tikkuni Zohar, number 69. All this is in order to seek the lost princess until he is worthy of finding her in the time of our righteous Mashiach. May he come speedily in our time. The lost princess represents holy faith, belief in God, the true tzaddikim, and the Torah. This holy faith is in exile in every generation, and the redemption depends essentially on the degree to which the Jewish people in each generation succeed in elevating this fallen faith and in building it up until they believe fully and with complete sincerity. For through this Mashiach will come, as it is written, Come and look from the heights of faith. Song of Songs 4.8 At that time the truth of this belief will be evident, and every creature will know that it is you who made him. Only then will the lost princess, i.e. belief, return to her rightful place, to her throne. Even though the Rebbe tells the story in the past and concludes by saying, and in the end he found her, it really alludes to the future. So that even if we are able to ascertain the illusions in the story correctly, we still cannot possibly understand its essence, the who, the what, and the when. These stories are dealing with the loftiest of subjects, and I do not intend to elaborate on paper regarding things which the Ancient of Days has hidden, certainly not in a letter. May God open our eyes and allow us to comprehend some of the illusions in the Rebbe's stories. Rev. Nussin's Letters, Year 2, Letter number 232, Wednesday, Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan, 5597, Breslov. My dear beloved son, I received your letter just now. All day yesterday I was waiting expectantly to see you, but it didn't work out. What can we do, though? Barriers connected with earning a livelihood are constantly upon us. Thank God, though, your desire for truth is strong, and with God's help, there will be another time, 
We will certainly see each other soon, and you will come in joy with God's help. It occurred to me this morning to write you anew what was in my heart, but I'm too busy right now. The gist of it is, though, that you must view yourself every day as if you had just been born that day. It should be as if you have nothing in the world but that day alone. Do not trouble yourself thinking about the past and future. Even if you do engage in business and what you need for your livelihood, and these do relate to the future, the main thing is still today, for who knows what tomorrow will bring. There is much to say about this, and you have already heard a great deal about it. But you should view these words as new every day, how very much we need to rejoice in our lot, in the enormous kindness that God did for us, by removing us from so many errors and so much foolish advice. But I cannot explain this in detail in a letter, and particularly not in these times. Fortify yourself, my son, and be strong. God is with you even now. All your heart's good desires are noted down on high in your favor. Even more so when you are successful in bringing these desires from potential to actual, and to articulate your good desires every day in prayer. For this is the key to everything. God desires your prayers, and he devoted it too. Not a single word is ever lost. Fortify yourself determinedly, my son, in Torah and prayer, and in expressing yourself before God. All you can grab every moment of every day, be it little or much. It does not matter if a person does little or much, just that his heart should be directed to heaven. I have delayed here until today, Wednesday, and today or tomorrow, God willing, I will set out for home. I have yet to make any progress in my business here. When you are with me, God willing, I will tell you everything about how I cast my burden upon God alone, that he will show me the straight path and the good counsel that I need to return safely to my home here. Beyond this, I have no time to continue. The words of your father waiting for salvation. Nasan of Hatzadikim. Shivim Zakanim. Mishever Ruvain. Charnoch. Karmi. Palu. Eliav. Nimuel. Zakur. Mishevet Shimon. Yamin. Yachin. Tsochar. Ohad. Shaul. Nimri. Mishevet Levi. Amri. Hananya. Netanel. Yidaa ben Sitri, Umoshe al Gabehen, as leader. Mishevet Yehuda, Serach, Dan, Yonadav, Betzalel, Shefatya, Nachshon. Mishevet Yisachar, Tsohar, Uza, Yigal, Palti, Otniel, Chagit. Mishevet Zavulon, Sered, Elon, Suri, Aholiav, Elihu, Nimshi. Mishevet Binyamin, Siniav, Kislon, Elidad, Achituv, Achiel, Matanya. Mishevet Ephraim, Yair, Yoezer, Malkiel, Adoniram, Achiram, Setur. Mishevet Dan, Gedalia, Yigal, Achinoam, Achiezer, Daniel, Saraya. Mishevet Naftali, El Yochanan, El Yakim, Elishama, Sumchus, Zavdi, Yochanan. Mishevet Gad, Chagi, Zarchi, Keni, Matityahu, Zachariahu, Zayit Ra'anan. Mishavit Asher, Ashur, Shalomi, Shemuel, Shalom, Shechanya, Shechanyahu, Achiyahu. Prayers 1. Prayer number 2. Arouse our righteous Mashiach to receive our prayers and lift them up before you. Let my prayers and those of 
all your people Israel be a double-edged sword in his hand to protect and shield us, to fight those who fight against us, and to champion our cause. He takes pity on the poor and needy and saves the souls of the needy. Take hold of shield and armor and stand up to help me. Gird your sword on your thigh, mighty warrior, your majesty and your splendor. Do it for your sake and not for ours. For even our few good deeds, our charity and our prayer are all from you. For everything is from you, and from your hand we have given to you. Thus it is written, Who came before me that I should pay them? Not to us, Hashem, not to us, but to your name give glory for your kindness and your truth. In your abundant kindness give me life that I may guard the testimony of your mouth. Fulfill for us the verse, For my sake, for my sake will I do it. For how could I let my name be dishonored? I will not give my glory to another. He magnifies the salvation of his king and does loving kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Amen. Salah. Prayer number three. Hashem our God and God of our fathers, who chooses David his servant and his descendants after him, and who delights in songs of praise. In your great love and kindness, remember your powerful presence, the Shekhinah, which has wandered from her place like a bird wandering from its nest. Rise up, take pity on Zion, for it is time to favor her, for the moment has come. Lift up and raise the congregation of Israel from where we have fallen, and in your abundant love, help us and enable us to raise our voices in song. Give me the power to praise you joyously with songs and hymns. Let me sing melodies all my days in a sweet, pleasant voice, the way you love. And help me study your holy Torah for its own sake constantly, day and night. When you gave your holy Torah to your servant Moses, you studied the written Torah with him by day and the oral Torah by night. So too, help me study and think about your holy Torah constantly, and help me study the written Torah and the oral Torah day and night. Master of the world, lovingly help me, and give me the strength to win the battle against sleep. Let me banish sleep from my eyes in order to study Torah each night, and learn the sixty tractates of the Mishnah together with the Holy Gemara, to learn, teach, observe, do, fulfill, and practice them for their own sake. Arise, exult in the night at the start of the watches. Through this let a thread of loving-kindness be drawn down upon me. By day Hashem will command His loving-kindness to be revealed, and in the night His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. And in this way, help me and protect me from the bad effects caused by hearing degenerate music, the songs and melodies of fallen souls, birds caught in the snare. Don't let them harm me or distract me from my spiritual devotions. Give me the power to elevate and refine them, to lift them up and restore them to the realm of the holy and raise up the fallen tabernacle of David. In your abundant love, arouse the lily of Sharon, the Shechina, to sing in a voice of pleasantness, joy, and exultation. And you alone, Hashem, speedily rule over all your works, so as to fulfill the verse, Make music for God. Make music. Make music for our King. Make music. For God is King over all the earth. Make music, enlightened one. Remember your people Israel, who are scattered among the nations, and your holy temple, which is destroyed and uninhabited. The bird, too, has found a house, 
and the sparrow has found a nest for herself to put her fledglings. On your altar, Hashem of legions, my king and my god, restore the Kohanim to their service and the Levites to their platform and their songs and hymns, and restore Israel to their dwelling place. Grant me holy wisdom and enlightenment, so that I will be able to draw the yoke of your kingship upon myself constantly, and reveal your kingship and sovereignty to the world. Speedily establish the throne of David. Quickly, easily, and speedily bring us Mashiach, the son of David, the sweet singer of Israel. Then our mouths will be filled with laughter, and our tongues with joy. We will then sing, praise, and rejoice before you all our days. And the verse will be fulfilled. Hashem will come to save us. And we will sing our songs all the days of our lives for the house of Hashem. Speedily in our days. Amen. Prayer number four. Master of the universe. What great kindness you have shown us. With a mighty hand you took us out of Egypt. You separated us from the fifty gates of impurity and brought us to the fifty gates of holiness and you lovingly gave us your holy Torah through Moses, your faithful prophet. If our mouths were filled with song like the sea, our tongues with joy like its multitudes of waves, and our lips with praise like the expanses of the heavens, we still could not thank you and praise you enough for all the goodness you have shown us. You have given us your holy, perfect Torah. You have chosen us from all the nations. You have sanctified us with your mitzvot, which are more precious than the purest gold. Time and time again you have cautioned us not to transgress your commandments, all so that we and our children may enjoy your goodness forever. Confession of Sins And now, after all this great and awesome goodness and kindness, what can I say? I am the lowliest of your creatures, yet you show pity to all, and you have put me in a privileged position by creating me a Jew. By making me a member of the Jewish people, the holy nation, you have put your name upon me, because your name is bound up with ours. After all this, what can I say to you, exalted God? How can I speak before you, lowly servant that I am? How can I open my mouth and stand before you, after failing to take proper care to do what is in my own best interests? With my own hands I have rejected your great goodness and mercy, and I have failed to observe your precious beloved mitzvot, which are the greatest of all goodness and kindness. 